Hey there, Paula Poundstone here. When you're done listening to this podcast, check out my new show, live from the Poundstone Institute. I mean, you could try listening to this show and my show at the same time, but that might drive you insane. Find live from the Poundstone Institute on Apple Podcasts or the NPR One app. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Ophira. Our guest today stars in a TV show about computers in the 1980s. How well do you know your 80s tech? Oh, yeah. Speed round. What machine could send images of documents over a standard phone line? A fax machine. Yes. What then brand new computer featured a graphical interface and a mouse and greeted you with a smiling computer face when you switched it on? Oh, the Macintosh. That's right. And what game mesmerized millions despite having only six colors and a very low resolution of three by three by six? A Rubik's Cube. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bell House in beautiful Brooklyn, New York, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. We've got a great show for you. Four brilliant contestants are here. They're backstage enjoying rosé popsicles while they wait to play our nerdy games, but only one will be our big winner. And our special guest is Carrie Bechet. She's from the AMC television series Halt and Catch Fire. It's a drama about the tech industry in the 80s and not, as I thought, the story behind the Samsung Galaxy Note 7. (laughs) Our first game is about terrible ideas that went on to be successful companies like Pomplamoose Seltzer. Don't at me, LaCroix. Let's meet our first two contestants. First up, Emma Roop on buzzer number one. You're a theater technician and an artist assistant for the MetLife Arts Programs. Welcome. Thrilled to be here. Thank you. And your opponent is Mad Summers on buzzer number two. You are a minister at a non-denominational church in Long Island. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Matt and Emma, the first of you who wins two of our games, will move on to the final round at the end of the show. Let's start with a guessing game called Startup Stories. We're going to tell you the origin story of a company. You just have to tell us if it's true or something we made up. Buzz in to answer, but be careful. If you guess incorrectly, your opponent automatically gets the point. Okay, here we go. NASCAR began as informal races between bootleggers trying to outrun the cops. True or false? Matt? False. I'm sorry, that is true. It was delivering whiskey from distillers to thirsty Appalachians during Prohibition. The drivers would modify their cars to go fast, uh, and that's how NASCAR began. Like Booze Uber or something. (laughs) Boozer! Boozer. That's a million-dollar idea right there. They're the Uber of bootlegging. Yeah, it's a good idea. (laughs) Doritos began when a salesman noticed stale tortillas in a garbage can at Disneyland. I mean, who among us? And thought, why not fry them up and sell them as chips? True or false? Emma. That seems definitely true. That is absolutely true. (laughs) I presume they did not use the ones that were in the garbage can to make their first... I don't know why you would think that. That thing, Well, that, yeah. I mean, I guess who knows. I guess who I knows. mean, and why didn't he just go with the name Garbage Can Chips? That would have been great. Right. It's a good idea. They sell those in Canada, next to the All Dressed. <laughs> all Dressed are delicious. FedEx, or Federal Express, began its life as a private car service to shuttle government employees between federal buildings in Washington, D.C. True or false? Emma. True. I'm sorry, that is false. Yeah, government employees had to walk. (laughs) Uh, Actually, FedEx founder uh, Frederick Smith is his name, came up with the idea for the company in his economics class term paper. Frederick Smith, that's his name. And he called it FedEx, not FredEx. Not FredEx, that seems like an obvious... (laughs) I know! Federal, actually it's Federal (laughs) Express. Federal (laughs) Express. Talk about a rebrand ready to happen. (laughs) Nintendo began in 1889 as a playing card company, which produced a flower-themed card game called Hanafuda. Matt. True. That is absolutely true. That's right. 
Airbus began in 1977 making regular city buses for the residents of Paris. The business was so successful, the company expanded and developed the A300, which became the workhorse of the aviation industry. True or false? Emma. False. Yeah, that's false. What? (laughs) This is your last clue. Graham crackers were named for Reverend Sylvester Graham, who believed whole grain crackers would decrease people's sex drives. (laughs) True or false? (laughs) Emma. True. That is true. I should say it is true that that is what Reverend Sylvester Graham thought. I'm not sure if we have any data on whether or not whole grain crackers decrease your sex drive. Huzzager Archung, how did our contestants do? Well done, Emma. You're one step closer to our final round. In an effort to pack more content into our show, we've sped up the clues in our next game. But first, let's check in with our contestants. Emma, okay, so you built props for the Swiss consulate for a Dadaist happening called Funeral for the Death of Privacy? Well, I had to build a palanquin, a a litter, like what Cleopatra got carried on. Mm. But we had a pretty low budget and I was running out of time, so I built it out of a lawn chair with two-by-fours stuck through it, attached with rope, and then they, they carried a woman with an iPad strapped to her face. <laughs> um, and I had to rent a casket. You had to rent a casket? Yeah, the, uh, the director, he was like, Emma, for my vision, you know how directors are, I really want like a life-size, like an actual casket that maybe someone almost... <laughs> you know, was dead in. And I was like, okay. So I found one. Yeah. And I went to pick it up. I didn't have a car. And so I called every car service in Brooklyn. And I was like, I need a minivan where the seats can go down because I have to transport something to turn it down. You know, and the guy on the phone says, sure, no problem. I have that. What are you carrying? And I said, it's eight feet by two and a half feet. See you in five minutes. And they pull up to me on a dark sidewalk in Brooklyn with a casket on a dolly covered in moving blankets. And he didn't say anything. He just looked at me and he's like, sure. This yeah. seems, this seems. I'm sure he was like, so you want to dump this in the Gowanus? Yeah. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, like, no, absolutely. No, it's yeah. Good. Happens all the time. <laughs> happens all the time. You want me to bring it to the normal place? <laughs> that sounds amazing. Okay, Matt. Hmm. Speaking of thinking outside the box, um, when it comes to your church services, you tend to kind of do things that are non-traditional. Can you elaborate on this? Sure. Um, There's a lot of creatives that attend and a lot of nerds that are really involved with our services. And so um, one of the more popular things we did was we did a six-week message series on how your past doesn't define you, and we titled it Back to the Future. Um, And so we found um, one of the, like, only existing DeLorean repairmen in the Northeast who, like, runs a DeLorean graveyard conveniently, like, a half mile from our church. And so, like, I went there, and there were just DeLoreans everywhere, literally everywhere. And so I'm talking to him, I'm like... I need to borrow one of your DeLoreans for like six weeks. And he was like, yeah, I could do that. So we parked it in front of the church. Every Sunday we'd put the gullwing doors up. I got to drive it. It was incredible. I did not get it up to 88 miles an hour. I don't even know if they can go that fast. Um, they're dogs. But it was, it was a cool experience. All right. Yeah. I feel like uh, you guys have full lives. <laughs> uh, so we have an audio quiz for you. We'll play a clip of a celebrity, and you just have to tell us who it is. But the twist is we've run the clips through an audio filter to make them all sound like chipmunks. <laughs> Emma, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're off to the final round. Matt, you need to win this, or you'll have to come up with a worse pun than Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakwool. <laughs> Here we go. He was the voice of CNN, Mufasa, and Darth Vader. Look, I am your father. (laughs) Matt. James Earl Jones. Yeah, that is correct. (laughs) Name the Broadway actress who also appeared in Arrested Development. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today.
Emma. Liza Minnelli. You got it. That is right. I gotta say, you can you can recognize uh, Liza's song stylings even sped up. Oh like yeah, that. the the New York New York part yeah, especially. Right. Although on that, it does make me think of like all the subway rats singing. <laughs> <laughs> Name this SNL cast member who frequently hits on Colin Jost during Weekend Update. Nobody writes love letters anymore. Well, maybe you do, you sexy cream sickle. <laughs> Emma. Leslie Jones. Yeah. Sexy creamsicle, which is redundant. (laughs) Name the British singer breaking up with you in this song. Puzzle Guru Archon, do you want to step in here? Uh, it's a female singer who was oh. also uh, rolling in the deep. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Emma. Adele. Adele is correct. Oh. Well done. Name the actor arguing with Anthony Hopkins in this clip from Thor. While you wait and be patient, the nine realms laugh at us. The old ways are done, you'd stand giving speeches while Asgard falls. You're a vain, greedy, Boy. You are an old man and a fool! Emma. Tom Hiddleston. Oh, no, the other one. Um, Chris. No, oh, sorry. No, 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 that was your first answer. Sorry, we can't accept that. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. I have to see if Matt can steal. Chris Hemsworth. That is correct, yeah. <laughs> this is your last clue. Name this Austrian actor turned politician turned actor. I'll be back. Emma. Arnold Schwarzenegger. That is correct, yes. All right, Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? Congratulations, Emma. You won both games, and you're moving on to the final round. Coming up, we'll find out who will face off against Emma in our final round at the end of the show, and we'll talk to Carrie Boucher, who stars in a series about computer pioneers from the 80s and 90s. It's crazy to think that computers were once the size of buildings, and now they fit in our pockets and are way more powerful. And what do we do with these pocket-sized supercomputers? We take pictures of our food. I'm Ophira Eisberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for Ask Me Another and the following message comes from the Platinum Card from American Express. Did you know there's this film festival in Mexico that holds outdoor screenings? There's this arena in L.A. where you can see celebrities talk to power forwards. There's this shop in Chicago that's been selling house music since before it was house music. There's a whole breathtaking and surprising world out there, and no other card lets you experience it like the Platinum Card, backed by the service and security of American Express. We'd also like to take a moment to thank and share a message from our sponsor, TD Ameritrade. Did you know that the average American spends three and a half months of their life hitting the snooze button? You could be spending a couple of those snoozes making a financial plan to help you sleep better for life. For a complimentary goal planning session to discuss your financial future, visit tdameritrade.com slash podcast. Sleep tight. This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Art Chung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thanks, Jonathan. Before the break, our contestant Emma won her way to the final round at the end of the show. We'll find out a little later who she will face off against. But first, let's welcome our special guest. You've seen her in the film Argo and on the TV series Scrubs as Lucy Bennett. She currently stars in the AMC series Halt and Catch Fire in its fourth and final season. Please welcome Carrie Bechet. Hello. 
Hi, Carrie. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Hi, welcome to Ask Me Another. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So you were born in New Zealand. Listen, I don't like to talk about that. Okay, it was a long time ago. <laughs> Raised in Jersey? Raised in Jersey, yes. But your first big acting as a theater actor was for the parks in Montana? Montana Shakespeare in the Parks. Ah, so yeah. was that an amazing experience? Oh, yeah, you know, it's one of those, like, the best worst time of your life. It's ten actors on the road with no staff, really, with you, and you have to build the stage every day and the set and do the play, and then you go home with Montanans to their homes and sleep oh, you stay in, in like, people's homes. Yeah, and their like kids' bedroom is off at college, <laughs> and they have to get up in the morning to like go work the field. And you're like, I mean, it was amazing. Really okay, great. so fast forward, uh, you are cast as one of the hostages in Ben Affleck's uh, '70s thriller Argo, yes. and the preparation for that film was kind of unorthodox. Right? Yeah, so the the, the house guests, um, Ben had us all live in a house together to kind of get the feeling of what it might be like to be that claustrophobic and have to be stuck with each other, which I thought sounded like a really great idea. And then as the day approached, I was really terrified, you know, a bunch of actors in a house together without being able to leave sounds really like a nightmare or reality show or something. Right. And how long were you, did you have to be in this house together? Five days. We weren't allowed to leave. We couldn't have phones or computers. We couldn't check the sports scores. Not that I why, why couldn't you have phones or computers? Um, because we were trying to really replicate the circumstances under which these people would be kept without information. Um, okay, so had... real method acting or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, I mean, kind of. It all sounds crazier the more I talk about <laughs> it like this. They got us the actual newspapers and magazines from 1979 that they would have read. I mean, not even duplicates, like the actual. It was really spectacular Incredibly detailed. And would you like to repeat that experiment? Never, no. Okay. <laughs> yep. So now you star uh, in Halt and Catch Fire. It's in its final season. You played Donna Clark. Now, in the first season of this show, you know, you had a strong part, but in the second season, it really is revolving around you uh, and your business partner, played by Mackenzie Davis. Now, did you know in the beginning where your character was going, or was the fact that your role grew so much a surprise? I don't think anyone knew what was going to happen. I, my experience of television so far is um, it's kind of a crapshoot, and no one really knows what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. um, so, And that's sort of the tough thing as an actor. You do a movie or a play, and you've read the whole script, and you sure. know who the team is. And if you're on a TV show, you never know what's going to happen week to week to your character. So um, it's a little bit frightening. But in the first episode of the show, you know, I play sort of this, uh, she's a harried housewife. Yeah. And... Um, at a certain point, she breaks out. Do you remember the speak and spell? It was a toy from the 80s. Yeah. So I take one of those apart because it won't work. I'm trying to fix it for my daughter and explain how it works. Um, and you kind of get this inkling that maybe this woman is a little more interesting than you thought she might be. Because she's a computer engineer. She is, yeah. She works at Texas Instruments. Right. right. But in the first season, sort of focused on her tertiary role I did role so much standing wife. at the sink. <laughs> I pretended to wash so many dishes. <laughs> and you can't turn on the water for sound, you know? So you're just like pretending. <laughs> I was a mime in college, though, so. It was really cool. And everyone wanted to be a mime, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, this character that you play is a computer engineer. And you yourself, your computer knowledge, is there any crossover between your Pretty computer much knowledge? absolute zero. I'm a real Luddite. In my real life. Okay. Um, I collect typewriters. Why, why do you collect typewriters? Because <laughs> they're f amazing. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, they're a machine. They like you can kind of see how it works. <laughs> to me, I swear, like um, electricity is still like magic. Like I don't really know. Electricity is magic. It's I agree. really magical. <laughs> yeah. So you like the actual tactile? Like you yeah, press the it's button. Fantastic. I can see it working. There's ink on a ribbon. It's so good. Okay. So where do you buy these uh, typewriters? Oh, eBay or. Okay. You know. How many do you have? Too many. <laughs> like twenty? Are we talking twenty? Oh, I have. A travel a typewriter that I carried around Europe with me once on a you trip. You took a typewriter Let with me you? Tell you? You know, they tell you to take out your laptop computers in the security <laughs> line. So I would just sort of, you know, very cavalierly put my typewriter on the thing, and everyone stopped me always and they're like, What is this? I was like, It's a typewriter. And when they swab it, like, This is very suspicious. <laughs> they were really suspicious uh, for momentarily, and then they were totally intrigued and baffled as yeah. to why a person would carry one. Did of anyone ask you to turn it on? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
I wish they had. Yeah. So this character is totally a different, uh, different kind of thing for you to play. But how do you deal with all the jargon, right? Because you're, you're yeah, dealing with yeah. this very heavy computer well, there's jargon. A, you know, there's a lot of things. I like tried to learn some stuff about computers. My brother has a PhD in biochemistry, which I find so totally impressive. Um, I realized when I was doing that that I don't actually really need to understand the way the computers work. It's really my job is to understand the people that understand the way computers work. Um, so not many actors become activists based on the roles they play in a television series, but you uh, decided to become an advocate for the inclusion of women and girls in STEM, which if you don't know is science, technology, engineering, and math, and the representation of it in uh, television, film, and media. So what are the challenges facing women getting into science? Oh, boy. Well, let's start with I hated science in school. I hated it until I graduated college and I started reading books about neuroscience and psychology and physics, and I got really into it. I'm a real amateur enthusiast for science. And I found that so curious about why they, how they teach it in school that turned me off of it so hard for so long. And that's one of the things that we talk about so positive role models in culture how we talk about um, you know the the kinds of people that we see on television uh, making science are sure. uh, old white guys with crazy hair um, and that's those aren't the people that are the only people making making science <laughs> Right, and so what kind of stuff do you do when you're advocating for... I went to the White House Science Fair last year, which, let me tell you, is a spectacular event. These kids are genius. They're building rockets, and um, this one 18-year-old girl invented um, the first test for Ebola that you can do in the field that doesn't need to be refrigerated. I was like, what? This is insane. <laughs> I got to play with these kids' robot. Like, I feel like they took me there so that I could, like, inspire kids to uh, pursue science. And I was definitely um, much more inspired. (laughs) Yeah. And do you think things are getting better? Uh, in fact, they're getting worse. I wish I could say oh. it was getting better, but um, <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of knew that as a general answer, but uh... <laughs> um, more women graduated with um, degrees in computer science in the 1980s than they do now. Um, the jobs got more important, and then more men started doing them. Yep. So what are we gonna do? Carrie. I don't know, take our girls to coding class? Yeah, that sounds like a good activity. <laughs> Carrie Boucher, the fun is just actually beginning on okay. this show. Because right. uh, we've, uh, we've cooked up a pretty good Ask Me Another challenge for you. Okay. Are you ready for your Ask Me ready Another Ready as I'll ever be. All right, Carrie Boucher, everybody. Carrie, your game is Two Truths and a Lie, Women Rock Stars of Computer Science. So I'm going to read you three pieces of information about a notable woman in computer science. Two of the statements are true. One is fake. You just have to guess which one we made up. Okay. Okay? And if you do well enough, Sydney Heron from Burlington, North Carolina, will win an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. Okay, here we go. In the 1800s, Ada Lovelace theorized concepts that are still used in modern computing. Many consider her to be the first computer programmer. Which of these statements about Ada Lovelace is not true? A, she predicted that computers would be able to compose music. B, she predicted that computers would replace the need for actual human friends. Or C, she was a gambler who tried to use math to predict horse race results. Uh, I I just read the one paltry book that they have about Ada Lovelace, like, in the world. So I know this one. Okay. Um, B is is made up. Um, Right, B, she did not predict that computers would replace the the name. She blew the family fortune um, because she thought she could come up with an algorithm to predict who would win a horse race, which I think is fantastic. She she was a gambler and she she blew it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because her algorithm wasn't great. No, I don't know that that really works. Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) She sounds like a good time, though. Uh, Yeah, super fun. (laughs) Yeah, excellent. By the way, you are correct. Thank you. 
In the mid-20th century, Admiral Grace Hopper was a computer scientist in the U.S. Navy. She's known as the mother of the programming language COBOL. Which of these things about her is not true? A, she famously used an actual grain of pepper to represent the distance electricity travels in one trillionth of a second. B, she popularized the computer term debugging when her colleagues removed a moth stuck in a computer. <laughs> Or C, she named the F2 button. Oh, man. Uh, I don't even know what the F2 button does. Uh, <laughs> the other ones sound really fun. So let's say, I don't think she invented the F2 button. No. Oh, yeah, I said she named the F2 button. But yeah, both. She didn't name it. She did not name it. No. It's called F2. Uh, <laughs> you are correct. That was the lie. <sighs> Debugging, just to Amazing. underline that point, is all is termed after removing a moth stuck inside a, a computer. But that moth had a story. <laughs> uh, a little uh, inside public radio uh -huh. joke. <laughs> Dame Vera Stephanie Shirley became president of the British Computer Society in 1989. Which of these things about her is not true? A. To help herself in the sexist business world, Stephanie adopted the nickname Steve. B, she founded a software company that programmed the black box recorder for the Concorde supersonic jet. Or C, she created the MIDI music format, and the first song she programmed was the Benny Hill theme, Yakety Sax. I gotta think that it's not C. It's not that she created the MIDI music format. I don't format. think she did. She did not. You yeah. are correct. I didn't yeah. Think. I didn't think. Okay, Elizabeth J. Feinler led a group at the Department of Defense that developed a number of important parts of what is now the internet. Which of these is not one of them? A, domain names that end in .com, .org, and so on. B, early directories that Feinler described as kind of a prehistoric Google. Or C, the first pop-up ad, which was for a party at an Arlington roller rink. Which is the lie? <laughs> I really like the pop-up ad for a roller rink, so yeah. we're, we're going to go with that's true. Okay. And we're going to say um, kind of like a precursor to Google is a lie. The prehistoric Google, the directory? Yeah. yeah. Actually, she did do the prehistoric no. Google. Yeah. The pop-up ad for a party in Arlington Roller Rink. That was the lie. That was the lie. <laughs> that just sounds like something I'd like to go do. I know. <laughs> I like, we, we made up it was an Arlington Roller Rink. I'm sure the first pop-up ad was, you know, for a mortgage or something like no, that. No, it was definitely porn. <laughs> <laughs> or porn. Puzzle Guru Archung, how did Carrie do? She did just enough to win. Congratulations, Carrie. You and listener Sydney Heron win after another Ruby Feud. Yeah. AMC's Halt and Catch Fire premieres its fourth and final season on August 19th. Give it up for Carrie Bechet, everybody. Want our next special guest to play for you? Follow Ask Me Another on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Answer a trivia question, and you could be our next winner. Next, we'll play a game where we mix up the letters in movie titles, just like a drunk guy changing a theater marquee. Let's meet our next two contestants. First up, Ainsley Anderson on buzzer number one. You work in a costume shop. Welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Your opponent is Shreyas Vangala on buzzer number two. You work for the New York State Power Authority. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thanks. <laughs> Remember Ainsley and Treyas, the first of you who wins two of our games, will move on to the final round at the end of the show. Let's go to your first game. Ainsley, what are two movies you always confuse? Uh, the Prestige and is it The Illusionist? I don't even remember the other, the other one. <laughs> yeah. They came out like the same year. I don't know. Yeah. Magic movies. <laughs> exactly. Magic movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shreyas, what are two movies you always confused? Uh, as a kid, we had a little box of VHSs, and uh, before I learned to read, Land Before Time would always go in the Jurassic Park box, and vice versa, so, you know. Also, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. Two, two very different films. Yeah. <laughs> so this game is called Movies with a Twist. You're going to take a movie and swap the position of two letters in its title, Puzzleguru Archung, can you give an example? If we said this George Lucas film recounts the battle between Russian monarchs, that'd be Czar Wars. That's swapping the position of the S and the T in Star Wars. Okay, so the clue. 
will hint at both the original film and the twisted title. And the letters that get swapped will always be next to each other in the original title. It's going to be great. (laughs) Here we go. (laughs) This Disney animated film tells the tale of Simba, who crafted minimalistic garments that only cover reproductive organs. Treyas. The Loin King? Yeah. <laughs> sure, that movie is also out there somewhere. <laughs> Ansel Elgort stars in this action film where he listens to an iPod while chauffeuring a syndicated advice columnist. Ainsley. Abby Driver. You got it. Also known as Driving Dear Abby. <laughs> Matt Damon is stranded and presumed dead on Mars. Fortunately, he's there with his companion, the retired Czech tennis player, Ms. Navratilova. Shreyus. The Martina? Yeah, the Martina. The Martian becomes the Martina. Lindsay Lohan plays twins, separated at birth, who hatch a plan to address the subprime mortgage crisis of 2008 by creating the Troubled Asset Relief Program. Madcap Fun Adventure. Shreyas. The Parent Tarp? The Parent Tarp, that's right. In this classic World War II movie, Steve McQueen plans to break out of a prisoner of war camp where Ms. Van Susteren and Ms. Garbo are being held captive. Shreyas. The Greta Escape? Yeah, The Great Escape (laughs) becomes The Greta Escape. All right, this is your last clue. Antonio Banderas and Carla Gugino play secret agent parents to children who must save them from an evil K-pop artist who's trying to make the world go Gangnam style. Treyas. Psykids. That's right. (laughs) Puzzigur Archung, how did our contestants do? Tough game, but Treyas, well done. You're one step closer to our final round. Can't make it to Brooklyn? No problem. Ask Me Another is hitting the road. We've got two very special all-celebrity contestant shows at the Ace Hotel Theater in Los Angeles on August 17th and 18th. For information on all of our shows, go to amatickets.org. Coming up, Jonathan Colton leads a music parody about Mondegreens. And no, that is not a trendy salad ingredient. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from USA Network's The Sinner, a new limited series following a young mother, played by Jessica Beale, who commits a startling act of violence she can't explain. A police investigator becomes obsessed with uncovering the truth, and together, they discover the secrets hidden in her past. Everyone knows she did it. No one knows why. The series also stars Bill Pullman and Christopher Abbott. The Sinner airs Wednesdays at 10, 9 central on USA Network. Hey, y'all. Sam Sanders here. My new podcast is called It's Been a Minute. That's another way of saying let's catch up. Every Friday, I'll sit down with two guests, smart talkers from inside and outside NPR, to catch up on the week of news and culture, everything. If you can't stop watching the news, but you're also exhausted by doing that, this show is for you. Don't miss out. Find It's Been a Minute now on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcast. Thanks. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm Jonathan Colton, here with puzzle guru Archung. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Before the break, we met our contestants Ainsley and Shreyas. Our next game is about commonly misheard song lyrics. So if you think my name is Ophira, this is for you. (laughs) Let's check in with our contestants. Ainsley, you're also a milliner or hat maker. Mm -hmm. So how did you get into that? 
you know, I kind of just fell into it. One of my friends like <laughs> saw a Facebook post of a milliner who needed help, and I had the skills, so it worked out. Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, are you really into hats yourself? I don't ever wear them just because I get really bad hat hair, mm. but yeah. I love them. <laughs> I encourage everyone else to wear them. <laughs> That's good. You have an objective relationship <laughs> exactly. with the hat. That's good. Mm-hmm. Trez, you spent a summer in a research lab in Atlanta catching pigeons. Yeah, so it was for a disease ecology study, and we were doing a survey for, like, Newcastle disease. So we were seeing how much sicker pigeons are in a city compared to, like, rural setting. So, and do you know the answer to that? Um, I left before the study was finished, yeah. but I found out they found, like, a way more efficient way of catching the pigeons. They didn't give us a net gun, but apparently they bought one after I left. So so you were just running with a net? Yeah, it was me and another guy. It was a net about the length of the stage. And, uh, you know, we'd throw some corn out there, and we found out they like French fries better in the city. Uh, And so just me and the city. Like French fries. Surprise, yeah. So eventually it was French fries, and me and this other guy would have the net, and we'd uh, just kind of run at them and uh, catch like one of 100, you know. It's a tough, tough gig. Super tough gig. So this is a musical game called Meet the Mondegreens. Uh, Puzzle Guru Archung, can you remind us what a mondegreen is, please? The word mondegreen refers to a comedic mishearing of a phrase from music or poetry. According to Merriam-Webster, it comes from a line in a Scottish ballad, Laid Him on the Green, which is misheard as Lady Mondegreen. Right, Jonathan? That's right, guzzle poo poo mark flung. <laughs> <laughs> I'll sing you part of a song, but some of the lyrics have been replaced by a mondegreen. Just buzz in and tell me what the original lyrics are supposed to be. Shreyas, you won the last game, so you win this, and you're in the final round. Ainsley, you have to win this, or you have to yell, excuse me while I kiss this guy, and then lay a wet one on Jonathan Colton. (laughs) Win-win. And he's married. That's right. Look out. Doesn't count if you do it on the radio, right? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't. First rule of marriage. <laughs> All right, here's your first one. She's got a chicken pot pie. She's got a chicken pot pie. She's got a chicken pot pie. She don't care. Ainsley. Ticket to ride. Ticket to ride is correct. That's Ticket to Ride by the Beatles, of course. I, I don't care when I have a chicken pot pie, no, man. You don't just care about time anything. And everything else disappears. <laughs> it's all gravy. <laughs> yeah. When I just mean a CPP. <laughs> yeah, you know me. <laughs> Here's your next one. Hold me closer, Tony Dancer. Count the headlights on the highway. Ainsley. Tiny Dancer. Tiny Dancer is a much better lyric. Elton John, of course. I can see clearly now Lorraine has gone. Shreyas. I can see clearly now. The rain has gone? Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You got it, you got it. That's Johnny Nash. Here we go. This love has taken its toll on me. She said goodbye to Mary Tyler Moore. Ainsley. Uh, too many times before. Yes, that's right. That's this yeah. Love by Maroon 5. Yeah, right. Of course, we all know that song is actually about Betty White. <laughs> <laughs> I believe in miracles Where you from, you sexy thing Ainsley I believe in miracles? Yeah, that's right (laughs) What was the wrong lyric? What was the wrong lyric? lyric? Maybe that's a better game (laughs) I sang I I believe in marigolds Nobody's wrong, nobody's wrong They both work Here we go Picture yourself in a boat on a river With tangerine trees and marmalade skies 
Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly. A girl with colitis goes by. Ainsley. Kaleidoscope eyes? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> she may or may not have colitis. They don't say in the song. But she's not going to go by. She's going to be running. She's, she, she uh... has colitis. <laughs> <laughs> There's another, another Beatles song. <laughs> this is your last clue. I said it's too late to order fries. It's too late. Shreyas. Apologize. Apologize. That's right. It's One Republic. Art Chung, how did our contestants do? Well done, Ainsley. You won that game. You each won a game, so it's time for a quick game three. I'll give you a category, and you'll go back and forth naming things that fall into that category. The first contestant to mess up will be eliminated. Buzz in to answer first. Here's your category. Name the sixth theatrically released Pixar feature film sequels and prequels as of July 2017. Shreyas, you're first. Cars 2. Cars 2 is correct. Ainsley. Cars 3. Good guess. <laughs> Shreyas. Uh, Toy Story 2. Correct. Ainsley. Toy Story 3. Correct. <laughs> Two more. Shreyas. Finding Dory. That is correct. Ainsley. Last one. Um, down on the ground. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That's incorrect. The last one was Monsters University. Uh, that means, mm -hmm. Shreyas, congratulations. You're <laughs> headed to the final round. While Emma and Shreyas get ready for the final round, it's time for us to play a game. This is Mystery Guest. A stranger is about to join us on stage. Jonathan and I have no idea who this person is or what makes them special, but our puzzle guru, Art Chung, does. That's right, Afira. You and Jonathan will work together as a team to figure out our Mystery Guest secret by asking yes or no questions. Mystery Guest, please introduce yourself. My name is Gary Souza, and I'm part of an interesting family business that's been around for over 100 years. Afira, you have the first question. Um, is this business based out of New York City? No. No. Is it based out of Chicago? No, just <laughs> be a terrible way to narrow it down. <laughs> just city by city. Uh, is this business primarily involved with uh, making something, manufacturing something, or... or uh... No. Okay. Is this business something to do with a live event? Yes. Ha-ha! <laughs> oh, good. Is it entertainment-related, involving uh, singing or dancing or music? Yes to the first part. It, so it's entertainment-related? Yes. Yes. Are animals involved with this piece of entertainment? I hope not. <laughs> but it's happened? But you never know. <laughs> yeah. That's live entertainment for you. And it's a family business, you said? Yes. Could you run this business without your family? <laughs> Of course, my family may be listening, so I'll say absolutely no, not. No, no way. But yes, yes it okay. could be uh, individual, yes. Who in your family bugs you the most? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's not a yes or no question. Okay, do people have to pay for this event? Sometimes. If I was just a normal, everyday, interested person in this event, can I come for free? Yes. Hmm. How about uh, where do you think the event happens? Where do you think the event happens? <laughs> Oh, yeah. It could be in the sky or the water. Sure. How about that? Do they happen in the sky? Primarily. Do they have to do with hot air balloons? No. Ah. Does it have to do with airplanes? No. Well, what else is in the sky? Nothing. <laughs> I don't know where to go. Oh, how, uh, I mean, like trapeze, sort of. Does it have to do with trapeze? No. Hmm. So it's an event that happens... It's an event that happens in the sky, sky, but doesn't involve airplanes or balloons. It's impossible. And then you can... <laughs> How about uh, when it happens? Okay. Does it happen only in the summer? Primarily. Okay. Is it fireworks? Yes! Oh, yeah, of course! 
So Gary is a vice president of Pyro Spectaculars by Sousa, started by his great-grandfather, Manuel de Sousa. The company has produced fireworks shows all around the world, including Super Bowls and the Olympics, and this year marked the company's 35th time producing the annual Macy's Fourth of July fireworks. Uh, and so how, how young were you when you got involved in the family business, or how did you get involved? You know, it's, it's been, uh, I always say that it was babysitting. Uh, that my, I went off with my grandpa and my, and my father, and they would actually do work, but I would just sort of putz around all day long, having a good time. And at the end of the day, I used to collect all the scraps, and that was my thrill, was that I could create whatever bomb I wanted, and we'd go out to our little <laughs> test... <laughs> Our little testing field, and I could shoot my one bomb, and then we'd go home. But, but you know, it was very young, and there, there weren't as many regulations back in those days. Uh, to all of our listeners, um, don't gather a bunch of old fireworks together on your own and put them together. He's from a family of professionals. They know what they're doing. He had heavy parental guidance through the process. Do not think this is a green light to do what you may with fireworks just because you heard it on NPR. That's right. <laughs> All right. This is a pretty dangerous family tradition of employment. I mean, you know, obviously you all are interested in it, and it's pretty fun to be like, hey, do you want to light things on fire, right? That's fun? <laughs> yes, it is. But, you know, it, it started out as, as something that was done very primitively with just igniting a flare or a match to a fuse, yeah. and now it's all done by computers and the technology to fire all the shells. You know, it's all so done by computers. Right. So are you thankful for that innovation, or are you, are you someone that likes to uh, gather some close friends in a nondescript field? Well, it, it's kind of nice to be able to actually touch the fire to the fuse because you know it's going to work. When you get into technology, it just becomes a lot more challenging. Mm -hmm. I've always wondered this. Are there laws and regulations that prevent you from really stretching your wings? <laughs> Not really. Um, I think, actually, logic prevails in most of these cases. <laughs> <laughs> sort of physical limits to how uh, crazy you can get. Well, yeah, there are definite limits to the size and the amount of powder and all that. And then there's just flat out just common sense. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what new firework can we look forward to? This year was pretty cool in that, you know, in the Macy's show, we, we did a big letters of USA in red, white, and yes. blue. That was, that was pushing the limits on that. Uh, but you know, I'm hoping that we're going to be able to take those instead of projecting them horizontally, but to get them up vertically and then tilt towards you. And, and that's the technology we're trying tilt to get to. Tilt towards you? Yeah, it'll just come up and just show up way up in Whoa, the sky. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. All right. <laughs> Fantastic. I look forward to seeing more of your work in the sky. Uh, everyone give it up for our mystery guest, Gary Souza. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back our finalist, Emma Roop, who once rented a casket. And Shreyas Vangala, who spent a summer using french fries to catch pigeons. Puzzle guru Archung, take it away. Thanks, Ophira. Emma and Shreyas, your final round is called It Begins and Ends with Me. Every answer will begin with the letter M, as in Maracas, and end with the letter E, as in Eagle. So if I said, Rodent, who was the first animated character to be given a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you'd answer Mickey Mouse. We're playing this round like a penalty shootout. You'll each get up to eight questions. The contestant who scores the most points will be our big winner. And your prize is an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube signed by Carrie Bechet. We rolled a 20-sided die backstage, and Shreyas is going first. Here we go. Shreyas, biceps, triceps, and deltoids are examples of this type of body part. Muscle. That is correct. Emma, our intern's favorite condiment, famously made by Hellman's or Best Foods. Uh, mayonnaise. That's right. Shreyas, popular in the UK, it's a brand of food spread made from yeast extract. Marmite. Correct. Emma, it's the largest city in Wisconsin. Yes, because people live there for sure. So it's probably Milwaukee. That is correct. <laughs> Shreyas, this state is the easternmost of the 48 conterminous, a.k.a. contiguous, United States. Maine. Correct. Emma, a multi-platinum artist with the hit song, Be Without You. Yeah, um, Be Without You. Three seconds. 
Definitely not Mickey Mouse. You already said that. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're looking for Mary J. Blige. Shreyas, artist known for the songs What's Going On and Sexual Healing. Marvin Gaye. That is correct. Emma, like Khalees, my ice cream-based drink brings all the boys to the yard. Milkshake. That is correct. We're at the halfway point. Shreyas is in the lead, four to three. Shreyas, in desserts, a baked treat typically made from whipped egg whites and sugar, the basis of a pavlova. Meringue. Correct. Emma, in deserts, an optical illusion that causes people to think they see water. Mirage. That's right. Shreyas. Alexander Calder is credited with creating this art form. Hmm. Three seconds. <laughs> Mime. <laughs> <laughs> That's incorrect. He created the mobile. Emma, the last name of a French artist from the early 20th century, known for his colorful cutouts and his painting, La Danse. Um, it's definitely the one who did all the hands. Three seconds. Moby. <laughs> I'm sorry, we were looking for Matisse. Yes, oh, uh, yeah. Shreyas, a member of the Royal Canadian Police. Mountie. That is right. All right, Emma, here's the situation. Shreyas in the lead, six to four. Emma, if you get this question wrong, Shreyas wins the game. Messaging system made of dots and dashes. Uh, Morse code. That is right. Shreyas, if you get this next question right, you win. In Shakespeare, Romeo's family. Montague. That is correct. Well done, Emma. Thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations, Shreyas. And that's our show. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Eric Feinstein and senior writer Jake Keith Van Stratton. Ask Me Another is produced by Mike Katzevs, Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, Ramel Wood, and our intern, Kurt Van Zandt. Rank Nut TV ads. Along with Steve Nelson and Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore, Noriko Akabe, and David Hurtkin. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom and Jesse Baker. We'd like to thank our home in Brooklyn, New York, The Bell House. Hot Heel Blues. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Haripe Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Hey, we're taping two star-studded shows at the Ace Hotel Theater in downtown Los Angeles on August 17th and 18th. Linda Cardellini, Darcy Carden, Jeff Garland, Amy Mann, Missy Pyle, Lance Reddick, Paul Rust, Paul Shear, and more are scheduled to appear. Tickets and information at amatickets.org. Next time on Ask Me Another, we have Andy Carl from the Tony-nominated Broadway musical Groundhog Day. And Andy shares his strategy for performing while injured. And I acted my face off. Yeah. Because I didn't want them looking at my legs. <laughs> Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, on NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia. <laughs>